to Sudoku Book Club, the podcast where we finally get to the books that have been sitting on their shelves for forever. I'm Leif Nelson. And I'm Emily Miner. And we've been sick. Very sick. Very ill. This podcast is coming out a little late, I think. Well, late in the schedule that we've been doing them, but also late in that we were going to do this every two weeks, and it hasn't been. Nope. And that's just even more in a long line of not doing this podcast when we want to, because this book is the second book I've read for this. And in doing the research for it, I realized that I had read this back in July for so, this podcast. Yeah. Not just in general. But and, for the and to be clear, we're recording this in February. <laughs> Hopefully a day before this thing comes out. Yeah. <laughs> if I can edit this quickly enough. But believe it or not, we have a bunch of stuff lined up. So hopefully this is actually <laughs> going to be like one of a few that are actually on time now. Starting now. That would be so fabulous. Now. We're doing it. Starting now. Starting now. Okay. Okay. So I think I announced this last time, but the book I am reading is called The Mirror Empire by Cameron Hurley. It's a sci-fi book. It has a cool cover. That's the entire reason I bought the thing. It was like three bucks on Amazon. If you ever, well, if you ever like read Kindle books, they all like fantasy and sci-fi authors almost always have sales for a dollar or three dollars. I think I bought the first two. Um, Brian, Brandon Sanderson biggest fantasy author in existence right now uh a way of kings that's it a way of kings and its sequel which are both like a thousand pages plus i bought each for like a dollar just because they run sale on kindle and that's why i bought this because it was cheap it had a cool cover um and that was about it i had never read anything by cameron hurley until i read this book that was still the case. Um, I bought the book back in December of 2014. <laughs> I vividly remember... Oh my god, I didn't realize it had been so long. Um, I bought the book, and I remember reading it on my Kindle in a car um, on the way to Kansas City for something. And then when we got to Kansas City, I got a little bored with the book. I set it down, and I never touched it again. Uh, and that was in 2014? Yes. Okay. That was when I bought it. Okay. We were traveling for Christmas or something. I don't know what was going on. This is amazing. All I remember is being in Kansas City, reaching some point, and being like, nah, I'm not feeling this right now, setting this aside, and that was it. And four years later, you finally read the thing. I have. Or at least I did back in July. Right. Um, or specifically before the podcast. Like I was this and so uh, Unfollow was like one of the first things that came to mind for this. And uh, the Mirror Empire did too. Specifically because it like stood out in my mind. It's like something that I just never finished, set aside. And as I talk, I'll kind of explain that the reason I set it aside are some of the reasons I'm not a huge fan of the book in general. I have actually read one thing by Cameron Hurley that was a lie. It is an essay 
titled uh, We Have Always Fought, which is an uh, essay on women and warfare and kind of getting away from her story of realizing or remembering that women taking part in like armed conflict is not like a a new concept it's not a new concept it's not and it's also not exactly a um it's not just a matter of trivia either it's not just like uh, in the essay specifically she talks about like a like a tribe of warrior women and she like when she found them like how cool she found them and like how interesting she found it but when she brought it up to a professor her professor was like like this is like sure like that this community is very cool but also like women have always fought it's not just a small group it's not like a strange sect of amazon women who lop off their breasts to to draw a bow better or something yeah like that's not what it takes for a woman to be a warrior like it's much simpler than that yeah and I really liked that essay, but it didn't, that's not what got me to read the book again. It was specifically the podcast because just because I liked an essay didn't mean I liked the fiction she was writing. And I can't remember. I know um, Cameron Hurley is like fairly new. And by new, I mean probably within like the last, she probably started like 10 years ago or something like that now. Because this book came out in 24, 13 or 14. And. It's the first in the series. I mean, like, all fantasy books can never stand alone, even though I think this story kind of does stand alone fairly well on its own. Doesn't leave you on some huge cliffhanger that you have to read the next one to understand? No. I mean, in a way, yeah. Like, there's obviously stories that are continuing, but I feel like I do not plan on reading any more books, but if I had just read this one and liked it, I would have been, like, fine if maybe disappointed a little that it wasn't continuing to me it like makes sense beginning to end cool so back in july i keep saying july because i know for a fact that's why i read it because even though i own this book that i bought it for a kindle i fell off the like kindle reading train i just like when i first got my kindle really loved it um i still like it i i've gotten back into it um but it is like an acquired test taste using um an e-reader instead of just like physically reading through a book and when i tried to use it for this back last summer i just couldn't do it like it had been so long i wasn't used to it it just felt weird like when do you think was the last time before then that you had used it regularly for a class yeah. Like, probably my senior year, I think. I used it for a class because I was able to get some of the books on Amazon cheaper. Mm-hmm. Getting the Kindle versions really cheap rather mm-hmm. than buying them from, like, the university bookstore or something. So at least a couple of years. Yeah, it's been a while. And when I tried reading it again, I couldn't get into it. So the solution I found was to go to the library and check it out. So I bought the book, tried reading it got probably 20% of the way through and that's how I read it 20% because on a Kindle you don't see pages you see percentage of the way through and left it alone tried to get back into it on Kindle and finally I was able to read it physically (laughs) with a book I checked out from the library (sighs) and that's how I know it was in July because that's when I checked it out according to 
uh, my account. Your library account? Yeah. <laughs> so, it's been a while. It took a while. And it's even... And since reading it and, like, originally, like, I have notes that, like, mean nothing to me now because of that. But I think there's a the, there's another reason that, like, it took so long. And that's because, like, the book is just very weird to me. It It... I didn't feel good reading the book. And not just in the sense that, like, I didn't like it. Because if I didn't just didn't like it, I, I would just quit. Like, I'm not... I kind of got over a fear of not finishing books, like, a long time ago. <laughs> and there's just something about this book that, like, it is intriguing. Because I read it all the way through. But, like, I just didn't feel good about it. All the way through. What do you mean when you say you didn't feel good about it? Like it made you uneasy or unsettled? I think unsettled is a good way of saying it. Um, so the Mirror Empire is probably... I don't... Like I'm not great with genres. Especially like all the different fantasy genres. But um, I would call it a dark fantasy. Because <laughs> the very first chapter starts with a young girl dealing with blood magic and sugar gliders impaling themselves on uh, thorn trees to give blood to like let people through a thorn bush sort of thing Mm. and and, like blood and massacres like the the book starts with aren't like out of the ordinary for most fantasy but there's just a way that really wrote it that felt much more visceral and yeah was unsettling and not just like the violence because for the most part I'm like, not too queasy when reading stuff. It's the kind of violence that showed up later. So, like, it's like this is... I don't know if you want to call it hypocritical or whatever, but, like, uh, the the hero's town being massacred by, like, an enemy at the beginning of a fantasy book is, like, not out of the ordinary. It doesn't feel that weird, even if it is kind of, like, very viscerally, like, described. But as we go on, within the first, like, five, ten chapters, like there's like some domestic abuse there's um genocide going on like pretty clearly uh described and not just in like again not in like the normal fantasy genocide where it's like goblins and orcs or whatever are all bad guys all weirdly racially coded or something um this is just like everyone's human um even though there's like they ride bears instead of horses and they their swords are made of trees that are infused into their arms and things like that but a lot of the stuff that goes on is just really is kind of disturbing and again nothing i haven't read but just like the way it's described is like kind of felt more to me maybe it hits like too close to home because i don't know i mean these are these are things that that happen in our world too and without like that distance that like other um maybe other magical beings can offer yeah i mean like it's still yeah that i mean like that's probably the closest thing to it because like i have not like a single strong answer Mm. I did not plan on immediately jumping into all this. Sorry. So, no, it's really fine. It's just where I immediately started to talk about. But, like, so one of the, the things that, like, kind of tripped me up when I first read it, 
back in 2014 and st- were still kind of tripping me up now was how like Hurley writes and like how the world is presented because it's obviously a very fantastical world bears trees blood magic or whatever i haven't even gotten to the fact that like certain people have powers based on which moon is rising or mm-hmm. which star it's not always clear if it's it's always like a satellite of some sort. I can't remember like whether one is a moon or a star or something like that. But she doesn't really... The book doesn't like... It's dense. And not in the sense that like there's a bunch of information thrown at you, but in the sense that information is given to you without any sort of explanation. Mm-hmm. So the biggest example of that is that the people who use magic are called gistas. And so it will just... The book will just really early on refers to a tiragista or a paragista or a synagista and it's like i don't know what these things are <laughs> and they don't explain what they are ever no technically you figure out what they are it took me a long time to realize like oh these are the names for the magic users this is what they're called okay and it also took a while to kind of and, and like there's like hints that like when it says like the tiragista draws on tira Tira is like the satellite that powers them. Okay. So like when a, a satellite is ascendant or rising, that's when a Tira, a Tira when Tira is rising, Tira Gistas are stronger. Gotcha. When it's descending, they're weaker. Things like that. And it just takes a lot of digging to do that. And, a, and it's really strange because most of the time I appreciate that. I like it when it doesn't just take a moment. It, it doesn't like refer you to a glossary right. or say tira juices are the are magicians who, po- who call upon tira for their power tira juices are powerful in <laughs> healing magic and blah 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 but the thing is it kind of does do that it just it's like she does all of that it literally like will explain that tira juices are good at healing and stuff like that without telling you at some point really early on tira juices are magic users and this is what they do so like what's the point of like using exposition for everything right. else if you're not also going to just say this is what this word means yes yeah. and so it's like really <clears throat> dense there and then on the other hand this book does a lot of interesting things with gender there's like three main countries and they all have different relationships with gender and like what they do um and the two main ones the die and the dorina are both kind of matriarchal. Dorina is more like a capital M matriarchy, essentially like what you would think of as like a normal historical country in our world, but with women in charge instead of men, Mm -hmm. and a lot of roles reversed. The uh, domestic abuse that goes on is a woman uh, raping her husband. Like, yeah. So it's like... There are other ways where it's more nuanced than that, but it kind of feels like that's the more flipped one, mm-hmm. whereas, like, the die are more um, soft, matriarchal. They're, like, communities, and most of the leaders are women, but there's the occasional, like, male leader. And then there's, like, another country that seems kind of egalitarian, but also, like, it has a king or whatever. But the main country we start in, the die, they have five genders. And I find this out when after a long time spent there without realizing there's some sort of like difference or like a specific rule set to the genders there Mm -hmm. 
it just stops me. So I'm going to read this. Um, because Ooh, it's I know. We have a reading. So we've been in this country and um, people are talking and blah, blah, blah. Like I said, no sign, as far as I can tell, of anything other than this, like, binary male-female gender. Okay. Like, roles. And there are these children who are arguing, and then it just cuts away. So it's like, you're a terribly jealous woman, Rose said, because my mother could have been yours. Too bad you were barely gifted and she gave you away. End quote. Or, and him talking. There are five genders in die. Female assertive, female passive, male assertive, male passive, and ungendered. Saronia always used the female assertive for herself, while Lilia thought of herself in the female passive. But Roe happily used the ungendered pronoun in reference to Saronia. It was considered a rude thing, of course, to use the wrong one, but it seemed to especially annoy Saronia. And it's like, I just got this, what you're kind of used to in fantasy where there's like just this info dump, but she's being so careful to like be specifically giving us information in exposition for everything else. And then suddenly I just get like this gender dump and there's no sign of it in the language. She gives these words for magic users, magistas and other things. And um, a lot of like titles and again, all your standard fantasy stuff. They're like different names for kings and leaders and things like that. And the warriors of a certain place. But there's no sign in the, in the language about different forms of like an assertive or passive gendered voices of male and female and then an ungendered. Like there's no sign of that in the language until she like takes a step back and just lets you know. So is this something that comes up throughout the rest of the book? Yes. So like gender like kind of plays some roles in like what's going on but it's never given like the same treatment it's always like again because it's written in english which like we have he her and right. like mm-hmm. they for like an like ungendered mm-hmm. but it like it's fantasy make something up like she just doesn't and it feels very strange to me that like She's not able to, like, even, I don't know, give me, like, a weird, what's the word? Or end of the word. There's a prefix? Suffix. Suffix, yeah. Suffix is what Like, some sort of suffix or prefix that could be, like, added to, like, already known pronouns mm-hmm. and things like that. But she just doesn't, and it feels odd for the book. Yeah, that's strange. Um, and I mostly think it's strange because there is, like clearly language for other like identifiers Mm -hmm. in like non-gendered identifiers in the world so seems kind of strange to me and just like the way that you know it makes me feel a little bit better that like at least this comes up again throughout the Mm -hmm. rest of the book but like even so that info dump just seems like a very strange way to do this Mm -hmm. to me like I feel like it's weirdly inconsistent. Like, I don't know. I, f- I feel like either be use expository language or don't. <laughs> but like weirdly flip-flopping where like you would really have no idea what's going on with these magic users. 
and then being provided like a solid paragraph of an info dump on the five different like gender alignments mm-hmm. in the world seems kind of strange almost like she's just like kind of inserting it there mm-hmm. because she feels like she needs to or yeah i don't know and like i would understand like not wanting to use like re- like real pronouns like i don't know real non-binary pronoums like z or something else. z's in there yeah something like that because i could understand like not wanting to like either be seen as like belittling it or like making it as like oh look at this fantastic world i've created mm-hmm. where z exists right or something because like that. that's an actual that's thing in the real world right <laughs> um, absolutely so like i get that but i also again like i was saying it is fantasy like you're making all these others why can't you come up with this language's passive and assertive prefixes to like yeah just or at least just it doesn't even have to be that but incorporate it into the language somehow because otherwise this just feels like gratuitous and only for the audience because most of the time because yeah that's how it comes up throughout the rest of the book is that when it comes up like there's a character who specifically when he goes to another country isn't sure of the genders that are meant to be used there because the five genders are only used in die in um the northern country the kind of the one i said was kind of more egalitarian is they have three genders but they're less genders and more sexes because there's male female and then what they call itasi which is unclear if it's like people who have both male and female like sex organs or something like that or something else because one of the itasi literally like physically transforms from male to female. Oh, interesting. Okay. But they refer to it as, it as gender. And it's, again, like it's not super clear, but they're kind of, like, they're not really the focus. Like there, there's like a, a jaunt up there with their king as they're dealing with like some invasion or something and then they come back down. So they're not like the main focus. But one of the characters is Itasi, and it's also, it seems that they're not like normal for Itasi. Most Itasi are strictly male and female. But Taigan, I think their name is, um, is probably the better word for it is gender fluid because they are completely female at one point and completely male at another point and okay. use those pronouns throughout it. That part, Taigan, like that part, like everything about them is very clearly played in the language as like the characters are going and there's no need to kind of like go outside of it to explain it to us which again is so strange why like this dump happens right at the beginning i've spent way longer talking (laughs) about that than i wanted to because it's kind of a small thing in comparison to like everything else that happens and other than like kind of grading on my like this isn't smooth writing. Like it's not a huge deal. Like the 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 genocide that's going on occasionally on screen later on is like a much bigger deal, much more upsetting <laughs> than that. So do you want to talk about that now? Not really. No. <laughs> I don't I don't know if there's really that much to talk about because to me, like so long story short, the genocide is happening because the whole reason it's called a mirror empire is because there's another world 
where they use blood magic to come to this world. But they can't come to this world unless their mirror self is dead. And so in the mirror world, this underclass is the ruling class. And so they, at some point, are able to get... And, like, they're literal mirrors. Like, if you ever watch Star Trek and Mirror Universe and all that, it's literally that. No evil goatees as far as I'm aware. But <laughs> um, they somehow get some agents onto this world's side, and they convince Dorina, who has, like, again, an underclass, like a slave class of die people... And convinces them basically to start slaughtering them. And so they do. And it's just considered like... Like the character whose point of view you see the um, genocide through is literally the commander in charge of it. Like she is the person orchestrating the camps. And like all of this. And it's just, again, really uncomfortable like while it's going on. And I don't know why it's, it hits me in a different way than, say, like, I don't know, I've read, like, fictional alternate histories of, like, the Holocaust or, like, World War II and things like that. Stuff where, like, Germany survives mm-hmm. and there's still some form of the Holocaust going on or something like that. And I don't know why this kind of, like, hits me. And maybe it is just, like, fantasy you kind of expect to just be a little more removed from real life, but I'm not super convinced of that because I feel like most of the time fantasy is drawing on some sort of real world analog, but maybe genocide is just like one step too far. That's the, that's the, what is it? The, the straw. Yes. The straw. Thank you. That broke leaf's back. Yeah. No, that was the flu. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just, like, it. I read this in July. We, we've had the equipment. We had already, fun fact, we've already, we had already recorded episodes by it. Yeah. It just took us that long to, like, finally try and get this more organized. But even then, like, I just, I, like, the book didn't make me feel good, and I don't want to talk about it that much. And That is totally fair. Yeah. Sorry, it wasn't an enjoyable experience. Yeah, I would, I would say, I, w- I would suggest it, just because, like I said, it was engaging enough for me to finish it. I never felt like I had to like leave it or mm-hmm. something, or that it was so bad that like I wasn't. You just it. couldn't go on. Yeah, like it was engaging, even if like ninety percent of the time I was like, oh my gosh, why is this happening? <laughs> There's like a point, oh my god, like, I completely forgot about this. There's a point where, two things, okay, two things <laughs> I want to complain about this book before we stop talking about it. One, the northern country is stupid. It's stupid, <laughs> and it's like, cartoonishly evil. So like, I said it was egalitarian, and it kind of is, but the way it's written, it's like, the, the king and his family, or queen and her family, or whatever, is in charge they can be deposed, like, legally. Like, if you defeat and kill the king, then you yourself become king. But it's it's not just, like, 
declare a duel and do it. It's like you can assassinate them, and like as long as people know you're the one who killed it, you you become king. So coups are legal. Kind of like okay. it's part of the culture. It's not that they're legal. It's just that it's part of the culture. Okay. But the way they do it is not just by killing the king. It's like you kill the king. It's like okay, now kill all his wives and all his kids, and all the servants and everything, which like did happen. Like I, I think the the one, I, I'm sure it happened in plenty of places, but the one I can think of is in like China with like when a bunch of like different ruling dynasties would like take over. Like there were huge purges of like all the advisors and things like that. Or like when an emperor gets buried in an enormous tomb with rivers of mercury, they kill all the slaves and things like that. Like, yes, gross stuff. But, so that happens, and that's how you become king. That's also, it turns out, like, a little while longer, that's how you get every job. It's literally just killing the person. Because the character who is attracted, the, the, the character is kind of attracted to this guy. And who is a dancer. And so he also goes to go, like, kind of take part in the dancing and learn how to dance. And then in casual conversation, the guy he's attracted to just sort of, like, lets loose that, like, oh, yeah, I killed the person in front of me to get this job on the dance squad, basically. And it's like, you can't run a society like that. (laughs) You can't just kill everybody. (laughs) This is not um, a sustainable way to get a promotion. (laughs) (laughs) You... How do you function? And like maybe I was missing like some sort of like real world critique that was going on. <laughs> but like you just you just murder. You like want to become head editor and just like murder them. And as long as someone knows it was you who murdered them, you get the spot. Doesn't matter how good you are. And I mean, so yeah, like maybe that is sort of like a commentary. Like, okay, okay, but king. like even if this is some sort of social commentary, this is not the why most. Why I think you're a good dancer? Right, like, right, like this is not the most nuanced metaphor. Um, like I don't care how cutthroat whatever industry is, it's still <laughs> not the same as literally murdering the person in front of they you. They were a really good dancer. You just killed them. I'm not gonna give you. <laughs> okay, first thing. Second thing <laughs> is is that. There's a point where there's just suddenly like two or three chapters about a serial killer in this world. And not a serial killer, but like kind of a serial killer who like it, it felt like an episode of Criminal Minds was suddenly happening where they find a person who has captured people and tortured them to the point where they're, ba- they're practically animals and he treats them like dogs and they act like dogs. And it's gross and it... Makes no sense. And that's it. That's all that happened. Thanks for that. (laughs) Three chapters and it's gone. Honestly, you haven't. I don't want to read this. this, I would have no desire to live in any of these countries. But thank you so much for sharing. I'm so glad I could bring this world to you. Um, Honestly, the way that you started it out, it sounded like it was going to be a lot better than it turned out to be. I don't know why. I'm complaining about my least favorite parts. I mean, well, yeah, that's how that's, yeah, I was going to say that's how this works. So, yeah. So what's the author's name again? Cameron Hurley. Sorry, Cameron. Yeah. She just recently got fired. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I only know that because I follow N.K. Jemison and she tweeted something about Cameron Hurley recently. But where'd she get fired from? I don't know. I don't... 
I don't follow her, so I don't okay. know. So, sorry for so many things in your life. <laughs> I hope no one tweets this episode at you, because I'm sure you have, you have many other books. I own uh, God's War, too. I bought that at the same time as this. Maybe I'll read that. Maybe I'll like it. Who knows? But, while we're on the subject, you should really follow us on our Twitter. <laughs> at SundokuPod. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. Um, I may... We had a crappy wordpress site that we were not using and so uh, we decided we still needed a place and so i use twitter, twitter. Yeah. i use twitter emily uses tumblr but tumblr is dead now. i don't even use tumblr anymore really Every, everyone's left tumblr it doesn't matter but on twitter like emily said at sundoku pod at t-s-u-n-d-o-k-u pod um, P-O-D. P-O-D, sorry. <laughs> um, I'm hoping we can use that right now it, it, for those of you that follow. The, the three to five of you that follow Sundoku Pod already, thank you. We're trying to do more than just tweet out when episodes are. One of the things I'm really hoping to use it for is um, kind of extra stuff surrounding the episode, like either stuff we forgot to mention or just like didn't really make sense within the podcast um i'm hoping to use it to like post pictures uh like when i talk about say a comic book i can post those pages and you can actually see what i'm talking about instead of just like hearing someone read the funny pages to you or say post a link to cameron hurley's very good essay we have always fought because it's a good essay and it's really interesting anything else i don't think so Okay. Thanks to everyone who keeps listening. Yeah, you're troopers. Hey, um, we introduce ourselves with our last names, and that's because a uh, listener of the show, Tim Everson, gave us some feedback. If you would like to add feedback, feel free. Shoot us a DM. Please do not. <laughs> or do, whatever. But uh, if you would like to be one of the voices shaping Sudoku Pod, <laughs> yeah, give us a ring. Let us know what you think. Call us, beep us, if you want to reach us. Yeah. Rate us on whatever we're on. iTunes has still not accepted us. I'm very confused and saddened by the lack of iTunes, but we're trying to fix that. But also, we're on Spotify, so... Yeah, give it the times. Yeah. Um, next episode is Emily uh, reading... Uh, what's the first book of the series? The classic Fellowship of the Ring. So excited. Also, I think we have some guests coming up. They'll be surprises, but... We do have guests. We're super excited. Again, all stuff that we've actually recorded, so hopefully we're going to be able to like start pumping cranking, out. Yeah, cranking them out. Yeah. Uh, but uh, don't hold us to that, because we're terrible. And this Trash. whole podcast is about procrastination, and we've been really living up to it. So... <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the next time. Uh... Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. That was a mess at the end. No, it was so good. I loved it. That's good.